Welcome back, everybody, to the Thinking Talmudist Lunch and Learn. We are just concluding the Talmud talking about the power of reciting Amen. Amen is acknowledging that the blessing that was just said, I affirm, I acknowledge. But we also said the Talmud here brings El Melech Neeman. God, trustworthy king, is the acronym for the word Amen. So now the Talmud is going back to the discussion of Shabbos. The Gemara returns to the subject of the Sabbath. Amr of Yehuda Berei Derev Shmuel Mishmei Derav. Rabbi Yehuda said in the name, Rabbi Yehuda, the son of Shmuel, said in the name of Rav, Ein Fires are not common except in a place where there is Shabbos desecration. Shenemar, for the verse states, V'im lo sishmu elai, lekadish is yom ha-Shabbos, ulevilti se'es maso. But if you will not listen to me to sanctify the Sabbath day and not carry any burdens, v'hitzati esh b'sha'areho, then I will ignite a fire in its gates and it will consume the palaces of Jerusalem and it will not be extinguished. What does it mean it will not be extinguished? Why does the verse tell us it will not be extinguished? This verse is coming to us from Jeremiah 17, verse 27. So the Gemara asks, Umaylo sikhbeh. Why does the verse mean, what does the verse mean when it says it will not be distinguished? Why would it not be distinguished? There's a fire and it won't be extinguished. The Gemara answers, A fire will break out at a time when there are no people around to extinguish it. When are there no people around to extinguish it? On Shabbos. On Shabbos, you're not allowed to extinguish a fire. Therefore, what our sages are teaching us from this is that when is a fire found? When, God forbid, there is a desecration of Shabbos. The Gemara cites a related teaching in regard to the destruction of Jerusalem. And now the Talmud is going to go into many different examples of reasons, not examples, reasons to why Jerusalem was destroyed. Omar Abaye, Abaye said. So, I, just as a, as a, as a frame of uh, uh, of reference of understanding here, we in Judaism believe firmly in the idea of reward and punishment. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. That's the way it works. Now, who decides what's good and what's bad? The Almighty. The Almighty in His Torah says, "Behold, I place before you today." The good, the life, the death, the bad, and the death. The life and good, bad, death and bad. The Torah tells us very clearly. God isn't shy about telling us what he thinks is right and what is wrong. God tells us very clearly what is the proper way to conduct life and what is the improper way to, of conducting life. So when the Jewish people did things that were inappropriate, they got punished for it. And now the Talmud is going to list off different reasons that the temple was destroyed. 
Now, we know that there was the camel that broke the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. There are many things that contributed to it. And you'll see that each one is going to say, this is the reason, this is the reason. They're all the reason. Because each one contributed to what you'll see at the end was the final straw that broke the camel's back. Amr Abayi said, Jerusalem was destroyed only because they desecrated the Shabbos in it. Shenemar, as the verse states, and this verse comes to us from Ezekiel 22, verse 26. Her Kohanim have done violence to my Torah. And from my Shabbases, my Sabbaths, they averted their eyes and I became profaned in their midst. So, although Israel is called to task many, for many, many sins in this passage, the chapter concludes with the verse, Therefore, I have poured out my anger against them. With the fire of my wrath, I have consumed them. Since the destruction described is by fire, which we have just learned comes primarily for the sin of desecrating the Shabbos, Abayah concludes that this was the primary sin which Jerusalem was destroyed for. The sin is laid at the feet of the Kohanim because why are the Kohanim responsible for this? What did they do wrong? Right? They're the ones serving in the temple. What's their, what's their, they didn't desecrate the Shabbos because they were the primary Torah teachers of the people. It was therefore they who should have taken the lead in educating the masses in the difficult and complex laws of Shabbos. Instead, they averted their eyes from it and are therefore blamed for the destruction. So it was laid at the feet of the Kohanim, the the responsibility of the destruction of the temple. Having cited Abaye's teaching concerning the cause of Jerusalem's destruction, the Gemara digresses to cite other statements concerning this matter. Amar Rabavo, Rabavo said, Lo Jerusalem was destroyed. Why? Only because they neglected to recite the Shema morning and evening. We have an obligation in the Torah to read the Shema, to recite the Shema every morning and evening. And over here, the Talmud tells us that because the Jewish people Neglected to do so, the temple was destroyed. Chenemar, for the verse states, have hoy mashkime baboiker shechor yerdoifu. Woe to those who rise early in the morning and pursue old wine that linger late into the night till wine inflames them. V'chsev, and it is written, v'hoyo kinor v'novel tov v'cholil v'yain mishtehem v'espal Hashem lo yabitu. And the harp and the lyre, the drum and the flute and the wine and their parties, but to the works of Hashem, they do not look. And in the next verse it states, Therefore my people have gone into exile for want of knowledge. And the commentaries here explain, they pay no attention to their obligations to proclaim God's unity to his creations. Therefore, 
right? Because they were too busy pursuing their pleasures and going to parties and drinking wine. Alternatively, right, so therefore the temple was destroyed. Alternatively, drinking and singing late into the night causes people to forget to say Shema at night and then to sleep late the following morning so that they miss the time for saying Shema as well in the morning. Right? So these parties are not a good habit. Someone starts the party process and they go to sleep late. They forget to say the Shema at night. They wake up late in the morning, forget to say Shema in the morning. And then uh, this is what uh, our sages tell us the temple was destroyed for. The kinor, the novel, are both stringed instruments except for except that the novel it has a greater number of strings than the kinor. That's why it has both of them mentioned here. Kinor is a violin and a novel is a harp. Okay, so that's another reason that the temple was destroyed. Well, th- th- when, whenever you refer to Jerusalem, you're referring to the temple uh, because the temple was the the epicenter of everything that happened in Jerusalem. Great question. Another cause for the destruction. Amar Rav Hamnuna. Amar Rav Hamnuna. Rav Hamnuna said, Lo Such an incredible responsibility. Jerusalem was destroyed only because they diverted the school children in it from their Torah studies. School children. You're laying the foundations for their life, for the next generation. School children are the most important scholars we have in Judaism. You never interrupt someone from learning Torah, particularly not school children from learning Torah. Shenemar shfochal olel bachutz. To pour fury on little children in the streets. Matam shfoch. Why? What's the reason the verse says, Fury will pour out. Mishum de olel bachutz, because the little children are in the street instead of in the classrooms where they belong. So this is something that we need to appreciate that in Judaism, learning Torah, education has always been a tremendous value. Always. It's not something we call the people of the book for a reason because we have given such an emphasis my daughter is now four years old. She's learning how to read Hebrew and identifying the letters, the Aleph, the Bet, the Vet, the Gimel, the Dalad. Right? It's so incredibly important. Yeah, and you have children. in Today you have public schools. You have school. But Torah values we see are paramount, particularly in this generation when who knows what our children are being fed uh, into their brains, into their, uh, you know, you know, they say that children are like wet cement. Whatever imprint you put into it lasts forever. And if we are instilling into our children you know, depraved values, that's what's going to be in their in, in their brains forever. We have to take that responsibility very seriously. Another cause, says the Talmud, Amar Ula, Ula said, Jerusalem was destroyed only because they had no shame for one another. What happened? The Talmud says, 
Why? And here's the first one second before we go to the to the commentary. Shinemer hovishu ki to eva asu ki bosh lo yivoshu. They should have been ashamed, for they had committed an abomination, yet they are not at all ashamed. There was no shame. It seems almost like our generation. Mm-hmm. People can do anything, people can say anything, people can act in any depraved fa- uh, fashion, and there's no, there's only, uh, they're, they're being lauded. They're being lauded by the media, by the interwebs, uh, of their of of their sorts, uh, whether it be TikTok or Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or whatever it is, they're getting more followers, and they're getting and the crazier they are, the less shame there is. So the Talmud, the commentaries here bring a uh, an explanation. In the previous two verses, the prophet castigates the leaders of the people for taking bribes, for not criticizing the people or each other or even worse, for assuring them that all is well. So mired in corruption were they that even when some were caught committing a crime, they did not have the decency to show shame for their actions. Nor did the others feel shame for not having done anything to halt the wrongdoing of their colleagues. Had a sense of shame at least been preserved, many would have held back from committing various offenses for fear of being caught and humiliated. Going just for a second, I want to talk about that, the responsibility we have for one another. It says, Woe to the wicked person, woe to his neighbor. Why? Not because you're doing something wrong, but because you have an obligation to one another. And you also are going to be influenced from one another. If you don't reprimand them, and there's a proper way to do it. We've discussed this many times. Maybe we'll go back to that tractate in Yevamot. I believe it's 85b, um, where the, the Talmud teaches us exactly how to reprimand the person properly. It needs to be out of love. It needs to be out of care and concern. It needs to be out of, out of wanting to assist the other person, not because it bothers you what they did. And now you're just going to let it out on them. But we're going to go back a little bit, talk about the Torah study of children. When the young are not educated in Torah, it is the beginning of the end of Torah society. The destruction of the future soul of the society, therefore, brings about its physical destruction. Similarly, when young men gather together in the streets, instead of in the study hall, Hashem's wrath is aroused, as the conclusion of the verse makes clear, and onto the gatherings of the youths together. Meaning, when they're gathering together outside of the study halls, not in the torch center, not in the study halls of the, of the synagogues, right? That's when we bring about destruction to the Jewish people. So, having shame, having a sense of responsibility for one another is a very, very important value in Judaism. If you see someone doing something wrong, you can't remain silent. You know, the videos, I'm sure we've all seen these videos of New York City, someone getting mugged in broad daylight, and people just walk by like nothing ever happens. If someone stopped and did something, it wouldn't happen because people knew. You know, the muggers would know, the word would get out. You know, we protect one another, but no one says a word. So it just continues to happen and it gets worse and worse. Who's held accountable? 
those who remain silent. You don't remain silent when you see something uh, going on that's inappropriate. Now, how do we speak up? We speak up in a way that's respectful. We speak up in a way that is helpful, a way that's caring and loving. Again, anger never corrected anybody. Never. There's a proper loving way to criticize another person. What's another cause for the destruction of the temple? Amr Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak said, Lo Jerusalem was destroyed only because the small and the great were considered equal. Shenemar, as the verse states, Vahaya Cha'am Kakohen. And it shall be as with the people, so with the Kohens. Viksiv Basrei, Chibok Tibok, Hibok Tibok Haaretz. And immediately afterwards, it is written in the verse, the land will be utterly emptied. Sages explain this. A society that does not esteem greatness will cease to produce truly great people. Soon, even its Torah teachers will be flawed and devoid of true Torah greatness. If we don't value the scholars, we don't value the leaders, then what happens? They disappear. Um, you know who teaches us great, uh, ex- a great example of how to properly respect and honor the scholars, the rabbis, the Sephardic community. The Sephardic community, when a rabbi walks into the room, everyone stands up. When the rabbi talks, the people are silent. When the rabbi gets an aliyah, everybody stands for the whole aliyah. Because they've been, they've been, uh, They've been, uh, I guess, infected by our culture. The Sephardic have an unbelievable admiration and respect for the rabbi. And it doesn't make a difference the age of the rabbi. It really is something, an example, to see how beautifully they uh, respect and admire their, their rabbis. Another cause. Omar of Amram Bereder of Rabbi Shimon Bar Abba, Omar Rabbi Shimon Bar Abba, Omar Rabbi Yochanan. Rav Amram, the son of Rabbi Shimon Bar Abba, said in the name of Rabbi Shimon Bar Abba, who said in the name of Rabbi Hanina. Okay, it was not the same Rabbi Shimon Abba, he wasn't quoting himself. He was quoting a different Rabbi Shimon Rabba. What did we talk about? Giving proper criticism. Well, Jerusalem was destroyed only because they did not admonish one another. Shenemar, as the verse states, The leaders were like hearts that found no pasture. Just as the heart walks in the herd with its head on this, uh, with the head of this one next to the tail of that one, so too did the Israelites of that generation bury their faces in the ground to avoid seeing the wrongdoings around them. You see, you might be familiar with the term burying their head in the sand. That's a Jewish term. You got it from the Talmud. Right? They bury their heads in the ground so as not to see the flaws of others. And they did not admonish one another. 
That's our responsibility. You see something, say something. Again, I can't repeat this enough. There's a proper way to do it. There's a proper time and place to do it. You don't criticize someone in public. You don't criticize someone out of hatred. You don't criticize someone out of anger. But you got to find the way to bring it to their attention that they're going astray. Because if you don't, then you're held accountable. You're equally partnered with that mistake. Another cause, says the Talmud, the, Talmud, the commentary here, before we continue, the commentary here says, when hearts walk in a group, one heart walks with its face right behind the tail of the next animal in line and with its head hanging down. Hence, it sees no more than the tail and is obvi- oblivious and is oblivious to what may be happening to any other part of the lead animal. In the same way, the leaders of the generation of the destruction made it a point not to look too closely at what their colleagues were doing as not to have to criticize them. It just, I'm not looking. I don't know. I don't care. The Talmud continues here. Another cause for the destruction of the temple. Amr of Yehuda. Rav Yehuda said, Jerusalem was destroyed only because they demeaned Torah scholars in it. Shenemar, as the verse states, But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words and scoffed at his prophets. Ad alos Hamas Hashem be'amo ad le'ein marpe. Until the wrath of God rose up against his people, until there was no remedy. So what happened here? The Jewish people didn't have proper respect for their leaders. What did that cause? That caused them to be uh, disrespected, and they despised the words of their prophecy. God had to uh, stop that. In the last chapters of Chronicles recounts the last years of the monarchy and Israel's destruction at the hands of the Babylonians. In it, the prophet gives God's reason for destroying the land and the temple. The verse just before the one quoted by our Gemara states, And Hashem, the God of our, of our fathers, sent to them at the hands of his messengers early and repeatedly because he had compassion on his people, and on his dwelling place. The verse cited here then continues, but they mocked the messengers. This was the last straw, the final sin that caused God's anger to pour out against this people. The phrase, the messengers of God, which normally refers to prophets, is understood by Rav here to refer to Torah scholars, because the verse then goes on to mention prophets separately. Indeed, we need the sages sometimes, we find that the sages sometimes referred to as angels. Uh, we find that many times uh, those who are carrying out the teachings of Hashem are considered like angels. Okay, now the Talmud continues. The Gemara elaborates on the last part of the verse. Mai ad ein marpe. 
What does it mean when the verse says, until there was no remedy? Amr of Yehuda Marav, Yehuda said in the name of Rav, Whoever demeans Torah scholars, there is no remedy for his wound. As explained in the previous note, the final sin of the people was that they mocked the sages and the prophets that God, in his mercy, had sent to lead them back to the true and proper path. So Hashem has such abundant mercy Hashem keeps on sending us messengers, one messenger, another messenger, uh, one of the you know the sages and the scholars and the prophets to tell them, guys, correct your ways. And they still didn't. The last hope for a confirmed sinner is that someone will show him the error of his ways and inspire him to repent. But once the sinner has fallen to the level of mocking those who are sent to save him, there is no longer any hope for him. His wound is too severe to be healed. And that's why the verse says, there is no remedy for his wound. The Gemara cites a related teaching. Amar Rav Yehud Amar Rav, Yehud said in the name of Rav, What is the meaning of the verse that was written, and we say recite this in our uh, prayers regularly, do not touch my anointed ones, and to my prophets do no harm. Who are those that are my anointed ones? Listen to this carefully. These are the school children who study my Torah. And to my prophets do not harm. This refers to the Torah scholars. But who are my anointed ones? School children. There's nothing more important than our school children. We mentioned this in the beginning, and we're gonna we mention it here again. There's nothing more important than our school children learning the proper ways of Hashem. And then what is my prophets who are called the prophets? Those are the Torah scholars. And this is a verse in Chronicles 1, chapter 16, verse 22. The previous exposition makes clear that Hashem attaches special importance to the Torah studied by school children. This point is now elaborated. Rishlokish said in the name of Rabbi Yehuda Nesia. Who is Nesia? Rabbi Yehuda Nesia. Nesia is the Aramaic of Nasi, of the prince. This is the grandson of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. And to distinguish between them, they had the same name. He went by the, Arama- by the Aramaic Nesi'ah, to distinguish the difference between them. The world continues to exist only in the merit of the breath that comes from the mouths of schoolchildren, meaning the words of Torah they utter as they study. My breath and your breath, what of them? What's about their breath, my, our breath? Is our Torah study not at least as, as significant? Amalei Abayi said to him, Breath that contains the taint of sin cannot be compared to the breath that does not contain the taint of sin. Meaning, children are pure, are innocent, are sinless. And therefore, 
their Torah is more pure, more holy, more righteous than those of us, the great sages, Rav Papa and Abaye, who could potentially be, I mean, we can't say that they were sinful, but they are saying that they were tainted with sin. A further statement on the great importance attached to the Torah study of school children, and we mentioned this previously, said in the name of we do not divert school children from the Torah studies even for the sake of building the holy temple. Why? Because they're laying the foundations for the future of the Jewish people. Because they're laying the foundations of their own lives of Judaism, their lives of godliness. And therefore, we don't interrupt the laying of the foundations. The foundation is the most important part of a building. If you go wrong on the foundation, the rest of the building will be unstable. And therefore, when you lay down the foundations in Jewish life, there's nothing that takes precedence before it. Not even the construction of the temple. Reish Lakish adds to this teaching. Reish Lakish said to Rabbi I have received the following tradition from my fathers. And whenever it says this, it's referring all the way up from father to father to father to father, all the way to Moses at Mount Sinai. And some say Reish Lakish said from your fathers, meaning from Rabbi and the Nesim who preceded him. Any town in which there is no school children studying Torah is eventually destroyed. Ravina Omar Machriminosa. Ravina said it will eventually be annihilated. A city that doesn't have school children learning Torah, Torah values. Is going to be annihilated and destroyed. Since children below the age of bar mitzvah are not held accountable for their deeds, because we mentioned that they're untainted, right? They're not tainted with sin, therefore their Torah is greater than the sages. Because they're not accountable for their deeds prior to the age of bar mitzvah, their words of Torah are pure and untainted by sin. By contrast, the Torah of adults is tainted by their sins. Since the world as a whole, is assured of continued existence only in the merit of pure Torah, it must therefore rely on the untainted Torah of school children for its continued existence. And now the commentary explains on that it will eventually be annihilated. According to Ravina, it is so utterly destroyed that nothing is left of it. You can think of the city of Sodom, Right, Sodom was nothing was left of it. You can't even you you can't have any uh, habitation there whatsoever. It's like the salt is so sharp. The city was so destroyed. There's nothing left to uh, to to bring back to life. Okay, another teaching concerning the cause of Jerusalem's destruction. and Rava said, Jerusalem was destroyed only because the people of truth had disappeared from it. Shinemar, as it states in the verse, The verse says, Search 
in the open places of Jerusalem and see now and know and seek in the streets if you will find a man. If there is one who dispenses justice, who seeks the truth, and I will forgive her. I'll forgive the people of the city and I'll save the city. Rava asserts, Rava's assertion is challenged. Aini, is it indeed so? Rav Katino, Rav Katino said, that he states that even in the hour of Jerusalem's downfall, people of truth did not despair, disappear from it. And he brings a verse, When a man will grab hold of his brother and the house of his father and say, you have a garment, be a chief for us. The Gemara interrupts its citation of the verse to expound on the metaphor of the garment. Matters of Torah concerning which people cover themselves up as with a garment, pretending to withhold the answer from the questioner because they cannot answer it, are to be found in your hand. So the Gemara now continues, And let this stumbling block be under your hand, that is, since you are knowledgeable, let the teachings of Torah be under your hand. The Gemara now explains how the term stumbling block is a metaphor for Torah. Dvorim she'en bnei adam omdim aleihem, Matters that people do not fully grasp unless they first stumble upon them over them. The understanding the underlying principles of Torah law are not easily comprehended, and a person does not usually fully grasp them until he stumbles over them, meaning he misstates them two or three times and is challenged and forced to retract and modify his previous understanding of them. So it's common for people to misquote and make mistakes. Rashi explains this to refer to the habit of students not to pay close attention to their lessons until they have been corrected several times. Katsin Tialanu, be a chief for us. The next verse continues, Yisa biyom hahu lemor lo he shall rise up an oath that day saying, I will not be a ruler and in my house there is no bread and no garment. Do not install me as a chief of the people. The Gemara explains, Ein yisa The word raise up, yisa, is nothing but an expression of oath. And here the Gemara continues, uh, to, to talk about those who were not uh, studious enough in their learning to to grasp all areas of Torah. And one of the examples given here is, he brings a verse, In my house there was no bread and no garment. What does that mean? That is, I have in my hand neither knowledge of Scripture, nor Mishnah, nor of Talmud. And therefore, despite appearances, I am not qualified to be a chief instructor of Torah. Right. So we see from this that even in the hour of Jerusalem's downfall, when it lacked true scholars, the people thought to be scholars 
who were offered positions of authority on that account were honest enough to admit that they lacked the necessary knowledge to fill the position. We see here what's the requirement to be a, a scholar? To know Torah, to know Mishnah, and to know Talmud. Thus, it is evident that down to the very end, Jerusalem possessed men of truth, as Rav Katina said. So why are you saying that there were no men of truth and that's the reason the temple was destroyed? Here, people did not accept authority because they said they weren't appropriate scholars. He says, the Gemara questions this proof, Umimai, and from what do you conclude that their admission was due to their integrity? Dilma Shani Hosam, perhaps it was different in that case. Since if one of them would have said to the people, I am learned, they would say to him, tell us the principles of the Torah that we wish to know. And he would have been forced to admit his ignorance. Thus, he had no choice but to be truthful. So it's not like he was a man of truth. He just, the alternative was too harsh. The Gemara answers, He should nonetheless have responded that he had once learned it and had forgotten it. What does it mean when it says, I am not accustomed to shut myself in the house of study? He meant it, I am not at all knowledgeable. So, Reb Katina's statement here, we can understand it as follows, that he was saying that he was not able to speak with regards matters of matters of Torah, concerning which people were indeed truthful and did not allow themselves to be lauded for. What was not in fact true, so they wouldn't accept something which wasn't true, whereas here, Rava's statement we speak in regards to business dealings in the respect that there were no longer any people of truth left in Jerusalem. So here the Talmud ends with a Mishnah. We start a new Mishnah, but the conclusion here is that when the Jewish people followed the Torah, the teachings of the sages, had proper respect for the sages, allowed the children to learn Torah uninterrupted, these are the keys to our success today. You know, the Talmud says that any generation in which the temple was not rebuilt in, it's as if it was destroyed in that generation. So today, 2022, where the temple was not rebuilt in our days, it means it was destroyed in our days. I mean, we don't merit to have that that reconstruction of the temple in our generation is only testament that we are, as, it's as if we had destroyed it in this generation. So what does that tell us? It tells us that we are all, every single one of us, are due a, uh, number one, prioritizing Torah in our lives. Torah, Mishnah, Talmud, getting a grasp of it, knowing it, understanding it, following it, but also respecting those who do. If someone can't learn Torah, that's fine. Someone says, look, I try to understand it, I don't understand it, fine. But we can support someone who does. And there are many people who say, you know what, I I get my, my passion is is uh, running a business, 
you know, being an entrepreneur, that's great. And many of these entrepreneurs today in our Jewish society, in our Jewish communities say, you know, but I want to support someone who's learning Torah. I want someone who learns Torah to be supported by my financial success. And therefore, they make a partnership. Like Yisachar and Zvun, two of the tribes, Yisachar was a great businessman. Zavu, uh, sorry, Zavulun was a, was a, was a, Yisachar was a great Torah scholar. And Zavulun was a great businessman. And they made a partnership. It's called the Yisachar Zavulun partnership, where one learned Torah and the other went to earn a livelihood. And they split the Torah merits and the finances where the one who earned the money gave half his money to the Torah scholar, and the Torah scholar gave half his merits to the businessman. And that's something which every person who supports Torah, whether it be in our synagogues, whether it be in organizations like Torch or any kolel, right, that teaches Torah, what we're doing is we're becoming a partner in the study of Torah. And becoming a partner of Torah is the greatest way of respecting and honoring it because it shows that we want to be connected with it. So, of course, everyone's welcome to make a donation at torchweb.org. But to find any good organization that has true Torah values, that teaches Torah properly, that is the greatest value we have. Hashem should bless us all that we should all merit that the temple be rebuilt speedily in our days. We should have uvenei Yerushalayim ircha. We should Hashem give us the privilege to see a rebuilt Jerusalem speedily in our days. Amen, and have a beautiful Shabbos.